Welcome to Optional Opinion here on Bosch Rush Games. I am your host, ADV. Thank you guys for tuning in. Hopefully, everybody's been having a great week, having a great weekend, uh, a couple of months. Uh, I, once again, I keep saying this. I do apologize for being so late with episodes. Um, uh, I have been under the weather. One day I'll feel good. Next thing you know, I'm getting sick. And uh, our weather keeps changing, which keeps affecting my body, even though I'm dressing up warm and, and stuff. But I am back. Um, hopefully, you guys, I won't be keeping you uh, back from future episodes or anything like that. Because I do have some great titles and discussions that I want to have with you guys and with other people around the world and really share a lot of this stuff. So, Optional Opinion will be back on a consistent basis. I am going to work hard to make sure that that occurs. But we are going to get into uh, today's topic why people prefer voice over text and this is more of why people love to listen to voice acting or the characters you know voicing the words instead of reading text on the screen um and i, I find this interesting because a couple of weeks ago we had M, uh, mc fixer um on on a boss rush podcast with us and we end up having a discussion about, you know, localization, like reading text and voice acting and stuff. And why some people prefer the voice acting over the text and stuff. And I will actually give my answer at the end on which one I kind of prefer in a sense. But we were, ha- we were having this great discussion and I mentioned to him that was part of what there was one of the optional opinion episodes. And so we're going to, I, I kind of feel like I wanted to dive into this one because we never have this conversation. And I kind of want to, uh, like go into why, what makes, you know, voice acting a preferable one or why text makes a preferable or why both of them are important and work together. Um, so I, I decided to like revisit it and like, jot down some notes and stuff and like just really talk about it because uh, I find it very interesting what people want in certain games and kind of this stuff like here we rarely talk about you know we could talk about graphics and gameplay and seeing what characters might do and what the story might be but we never talk about who should voice this character or who we think about voicing this character or what the writing will be uh, for this we never talk about that so Let's get into the first part of this. Uh, what goes into voiceovers or voice acting? Well, of course, actors and actresses. Um, you know, you whether they're famous or not, where they come from the studio, uh, you definitely need those, uh, definitely, because they're providing the voice, voice of course. Um, but, you know, some people might think that, oh, they probably programmed this in a computer simulator and the pro, pro, uh, computer is delivering the voice. And it's not like that. No, it's not like that. Um, of course, a script and a localized script. Now, uh reason why I keep this separate because uh, with a script, it may be from an American uh, developer. And so they're writing the script uh, of how that happens. A localized script is, <coughs> sorry about that, that it may be different when it goes out to other countries and stuff. So they may actually have different voice actors in there, or it may still be the same voice actor, but the wording at the bottom when they do the subtitles might be in their language, or they might actually hire uh someone to 
perform in that manner of a different language and uh, just go about that because um, there's some guys who have like different voice actors for different languages coming in and recording uh the script for uh these characters um now John Ruff gay now it kind of depends on what you're going for sometimes if you're going for now in modern day modern gays if you're going for a JRPG sometimes with the cutscenes to tell the story broader um is that you get a lot of voice acting from that instead of just reading the subtitles and stuff. Uh, you might get a game like Gears of War where uh, the cutscenes, uh, the characters are speaking. Or when you're actually doing the fighting in that game, the characters might speak. So you might actually have people um, voice act those characters and stuff. And just like genre of those games, like third person shooters, uh, RPGs, um, pretty much anything could be voiced. Now, something like a, a puzzle game really don't need much voice acting because your your uh pretty much your focus is is doing the puzzle now if they have a wordplay thing and it deals with voice and stuff that may actually uh play a part in it uh in a sense so you kind of just want to know that sometimes voice acting might not even be in a certain genre of the game like would you really need a monopoly or anything not so much uh, but would you need it in something like Silent Hill? It probably will hide it up the fear factor uh, with it. Uh, definitely if you look at uh, Hellblade's uh, Silent Sacrifice, where the voice acting is the uh, schizophrenia, uh, not schizophrenia, uh, the the thing that uh, Silent is going through, what she's hearing, and stuff and it's just like it's playing on your ears definitely as uh as a player so um that kind of you know will play a bigger part in it now we have dubbing lip syncing emotional output syncing so definitely like when the flip the the flapping mouse you know where they're saying something you kind of some people want to match it up um now you could do now you can see if companies are using that actor or another person when they're uh digitizing them and stuff that they're saying lies and they're mean the mouse or if they are singing and stuff um they may be matching the song or you know a localized uh written uh piece uh, to the voice acting because sometimes some people could like voice act and it's not matching up with the lip sync and everything um, the emotional output you know the character might be crying um, struggling going through something and you have to voice act that out and everything and it depends on if it's like like really Oscar worthy of a performance or if it's like really just so bad that it's laughable and stuff like that um, and sometimes a lot of companies set a budget for the voice acting um, and last but not least we do have the SAG after uh, which is the Screen Actors Guild uh, which is the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. Uh, SAG after um, sound recordings uh, is a code cover sound recordings on digital, CD, vinyl, etc. It includes all music formats as well as audio books, cast albums, and any other sound recording utilizing vocal performance. The code not only covers singers but announcers, actors, comedians, narrators, and sound effect artists as well. So you have the SAG after. Uh, with it and we're going to get more into that because there at one point there was a little bit of controversy um with it so when we get to that one we will talk about it but for right now those are kind of some of the basics that actually go into uh voice acting and voiceovers um and some people might think of adr and at points there are some of that in games uh, with it but like when it comes just the voice uh, of a character or or something um, those are just some of the things that to think about what goes into it so when we go back we're going to talk about what goes into the text of a game and we'll be right back <laughs> Thank you. 
And I am back. So what goes into the text of the game? Well, I mentioned localization a lot. And because that is one of the big things, um, depending of if you're playing on a game, uh, depending on what kind of game you're playing in different regions and stuff. Um, uh, so to give you uh, what, a breakdown of what localization, definitely for video game, a video game localization is the preparation of video game software and hardware for sale in a new region or country. Although t- translating the text is a large part of localization, the process includes any changes made to a game, including alerts, uh, altering art assets, creating new packaging and manuals, recording new audio, transforming hardware, cutting out whole portions of the game due to differing cultural sensitives and or local legal requirements and even adding sections to replace cut content. The decision is to localize a game relies heavily on economic factors such as the potential profits that could be made in a new country. As such, the process is usually undertaken either by game developers themselves or by a third-party translation company. Though unauthorized fan localizations can occur if a translation is poor quality or if a game is not going to be released in a specific language. As an industrial field, localization is still in development and lacks a consistency in terms of implementation and importance. Gathering information about industrial localization practices can often be difficult because of the lack of consistency between companies, as well as non-disclosure agreements many translators have to sign. The goal of localization is to create an enjoyable, non-confusing play experience for the end user by paying heed to their specific cultural context while being faithful to the source material. The suspension of disbelief is of utmost importance to the process. If a player feels as though the project was not meant for them, or if the localization creates confusion or difficulty in comprehension, this may break immersion and disrupt the player's ability to continue the game. So that's just a little bit breakdown of localization. Definitely anyone who has played the Fire Emblem series, uh, if you think of Fire Emblem Awakening, um, Nintendo and Treehouse kind of did that with uh, uh, with some of the later games being held uh, helped by A4 Play. Um, and they have a podcast and it's kind of talk about uh, localization and what some, some stuff that they did. Um, with it but they talk about japanese culture and japanese gays so if you guys want to check that out a4play.com um give them a listen i i check them every other week they are bi-weekly and they do a fantastic job covering games uh uh now while talking about localization and changing altering assets uh the menus the colors and font the size of the lettering sometimes depending on uh if it's an rpg um you might get some uh box or something that has a lot of lettering and the way that it pops up um they're localizing uh the content because sometimes the uh voices uh, might still be in Japanese if they're speaking or uh, if a character is saying something uh, to you as a player uh, they're probably still uh, speaking in their native tongue but they go and localize it so you can get what they're saying uh, and some of the stuff there are changes and you can look on YouTube or some of the changes that are that were being made um, a lot of text though shows up in JRPGs platformers and uh, some of that contains tutorials and sometimes that's the whole game definitely with JRPGs um, that when you are going through the game sometimes the characters are not speaking to you so they're localizing everything they're doing all the wording and they're reading stuff like that um they want to provide the correct english and subtitles so definitely with the subtitles um when characters are speaking someone in that native country who decides to get that game are able to read it um and we know that there are some people who think that uh with text that a lot of that stuff needs to be skippable uh, sometimes you can't skip it same as with some cutscenes uh, with a lot of voice acting you can't skip it maybe until you beat the game or until it gets patched uh, sometimes you just gotta hit the screen or hit the button to try to skip it or uh, make it appear so it can go through and there are some games that have given you the option to like when it comes to text you can do the fastest speed and 
it just won't scroll. It'll just sometimes appear like right there. Uh, sorry about that. You, uh, it'll give you that. Uh, programming it in the game correctly. And this is more for the fan community, uh, who do the programming. Sometimes it takes them years, uh, to get all, like, they'll finish the game, uh, or work through the game and write everything down, uh, what's being said. And then they have to go in and localize it. Um, and then they'll put a patch out. Now, this is not legal. I should say this is kind of illegal, but if it's out there, you're able to get a game and it gets patched that way, um, that would be on you if you decide to do that. Um, now that a lot of systems are reaching free, uh, you'll get the game in a way that it was intended. And there are some games that are reaching free that do have English uh, subtitles or English text, um, though everything else is still in Japanese. And that might be a game that's not coming over here or anything. But uh, a lot of fans back in the day, like Mother 3, um, they went and programmed, uh, they went and made a translation out that and put it out there for anyone who were getting the game in a certain way, I should say. Uh, but they will be able to patch their game and have that translation. Now, like I said, it is illegal. It's not official, but, um, there hasn't been any kind of legal court case that I know of, uh, uh about that. So, as long as it's happening, as long as no one's getting safe or making any money, as long as it's correct um, and everything, it, it it is around. I would just say that. So, um, and last but not least, accompanying the voiceovers, uh, definitely a text in the game. Uh, some people who are deaf who can't hear the voice acting or read the lips or anything that text is there for them to read uh, while they're speaking. Uh, and subtitles, subtitles are different because subtitles is just like when voices are happening. Uh, when there are just no words or huh, and they're actually speaking, it's words that's peering up in the boxes and stuff like that. So um, that's just to be mindful of a little things that go into a lot of the text in a video game. So when I come back, we're going to talk about some of the benefits. Uh, we're going to start off with the voice benefits and see what do people gain from uh, voice acting. And I will be right back. So some of the voice benefits of uh, voiceovers over script. Um, one of them is definitely to tell the story easier um, to the player or the viewer. Uh, some people kind of get into most of the game if they're hearing the character that they're playing act out the emotions and reacting to uh, the situation that's at hand, uh, like I said earlier, uh, while reading the localization that, you know, it doesn't help it. It won't break the immersion or anything. It'll make it feel like 
the player or the character is really going through something. Um, even though it is a video game and you might die and you restart and stuff. Um, it's that story. It's that element. Um, definitely in order to deliver that cinematic feel that a lot of games try to acquire, they need to have someone act out that character to give it life. Um, Sometimes some people don't want to just sit down and read a forty RP forty hour RPG and things like that. Um, and you know, definitely uh, while talking to MC Fixer, you know, he talked about he kind of sorry about that. Uh, he has like dyslexia, so him reading reading uh, words. And stuff like that makes it hard jump into mind. So, you know, with people who have that, sometimes there's certain ga- there's games that they have to stay away from, cause the wording and stuff will kind of mess them up, and they won't be able to get the full, uh, the fullness of the story. Um, they probably could see why people respect it for different things, and people if they're hearing people you know narrate a documentary and talk about it and things like that they might be able to understand it more uh but if it's uh, if it's more if it's more voiceovers uh and voice acting for that that might help the type of person to play um you know and there's other you know diagnostics uh that people kind of suffer not not disease or anything like that but you know a lot of things that they have that prevents them from enjoying a video game when it comes to the narrative of the story um some of the voiceover helps them understand uh what is happening on the screen and stuff uh another benefit is definitely you know a gross resume for those actors and those actresses um they may you know also be people who started an anime or a cartoon uh who may actually be in movies and done animated movies and stuff um they could bring that information and that work to other uh talent agencies or other producers and stuff and directors and kind of be like yeah i did this character in this video game and and stuff like that and vice versa so you know bringing these well-known big names definitely there's people like no uh no north and stuff like that you might go and be like oh he did the uncharted games oh he's doing this game i'll go pick it up and you know th- there's gonna be more people who do that um and stuff so sometimes like um like growing your resume and putting your name out there could get you good business and could actually help a game sell because you have that particular actor or that actress in the game sometimes it's people that you just don't know you don't recognize and then you hear their voice and you be like oh i recognize that voice it was in this game or it was in that game and things like that you kind of be you kind of like oh wow i didn't know that there was a person who did this type of work and stuff so like there there are a lot of voice acting gigs and stuff like there and i i I gotta say that voice acting is not easy uh it really takes a lot of retries um definitely you got to keep your body healthy and water and stuff because you got to do a lot of emotions a lot of uh things like uh or you got to be like jerry i don't know what you mean like pauses and stuff and you think that it's easy that it, it, it really gets hard because you have to act out that character and if you're a person who who doesn't you know really like fully commit to the role or really act it you know it really sounds dull and bland when it's like jerry i can't believe you did that no you know everybody's gonna be like oh this is house of the dead acting like this is not good and stuff now you can't do camp that's fine that is part of the voice acting but you know a lot of people will say look at the voice acting in metroid other m uh how it's just flat and this is samus this is a big character why would you leave her flat in her voice acting you know she had she should have had some kind of way to emote a lot of things and she just did it so uh there are some more benefits for voice acting but uh there are also a lot of benefits and uh 
the text. And we're going to talk about that when I come back. I am back. So, uh, let's get into some of the benefits of um, of the text and stuff. Now, uh, I can say that you know um, I'm a person who definitely loves reading books and who have done a lot of gaming uh, reading stuff uh, back in the day. Definitely manuals and things like that. So uh, it's kind of interesting to see uh, why so many folks don't like like text uh, reading. But uh, for me, like when I was reading games, it helped me with my reading and learning new words. There was some stuff out there that I didn't know yet, but you know it was a new word, so I was I had a difficult time pronouncing them. Sorry about that. And I had to go and literally, you know, write it down, find out how to say it. Um, and the more that I kept learning, the more I kept reading in games, the more my reading proficiency just, you know, like increased and stuff. Now, and I'm not saying that it's not for everyone or anything like that, but it really, really did help me, uh, be able to read faster, read quicker, and be able to comprehend. So reading a lot of video game text kind of helped me in life. And still to this very day, when I am playing the game, you know, I I could enjoy the voice acting, but I also enjoy the reading because I love to just, like, be able to see it and envision it. And, you know, definitely just the writing sometimes it's very comedic or it's very shady and stuff and not and taking that cut scene or taking that screenshot and posting it definitely in social media nowadays it, it really just like it kind of helps that to be like what in the world is going on oh this is going on this is funny i gotta share with people so that I could you know and if they want to find out why i posted this they get they could uh go get the gameplay for themselves and stuff um it, it, like I said, it feels like a book. It makes certain tones stand out. Uh, definitely when I'm reading my main character, they have dialogue. Or if I'm reading characters who don't have a particular voice put to them or they are still speaking that native language. Um, just reading it and stuff, it, it really, to me, really makes that character stand out. Just the tonality of it. Definitely when I know that character's personality and everything and their and how they react and their actions, what they do on screen. I laugh or I be like, wow. Like, it, it, it really keeps me in. And like I said, because I am a reader, uh, the, the vision in my head or the vision that I see was portrayed, being portrayed on the game is actually bigger uh, than people expect it to be. Um, but, you know, it really can really help you um, seek out that they are, there is like greater stuff um, from reading and everything. Uh, another one is uh helps to learn localization if you want to learn that kind of programming. Um, definitely like for people who love playing different games from different countries, um, 
and you really want to like get into the business of it, um, you definitely got to know your text. You definitely got to know how to read and um, kind of wondering what they're saying. So uh, this could lead you to learning others, other uh, countries, languages, um, their wording, how they write and things like that. Um, and that will make you kind of a better person, um, in a sense, not saying that, oh, you're not smarter cause you just could speak different languages. No, you, you learn something and you want to share that experience with people around the world and stuff. So you might want to join a fan community and start localizing, uh, right there. And it may lead you into a job into, uh, legally localizing games and stuff. Um, you may be able to be a translator with that and translate to other people. It's there. Sometimes there might be books and stuff that you really want to read. And you now you know that language. You can read them in that original format that they came out of and stuff. Um, but, you know, learning this text and stuff, if you're decided to be like, I want to program games so other people could realize how, how cool it is to know another country's uh, language and stuff. So... And sometimes, you know, here in America, when when they do it, it would give you that feel of what that retro style of gaming was or what it means to play a certain genre of games um, uh, with that. Um, now, definitely creating different interpretations, uh, like I said, depends on who is reading it and how you read it in your mind or how you speak it out and stuff. Like, it really is just kind of like a cool thing to learn and do. Not saying it's for everybody or anything, but uh, it is something that's kind of very interesting. And still to this very day that I love seeing in games. That there are people who are still willing uh, to uh, really put stuff out there with localization and helping us to interpret what's being said and what's being done and if it's something that that might have been caused a controversy it'll help us research what was the original intent for that in that game so when i come back we're going to talk about some of the drama and not the genre kind that actually happened with some of the sag uh community and uh, the voice acting strike. So I will talk about that when I get back. And I am back. Now, there was a little bit of controversy uh, with the SAG uh, community and, and some of the actors. Um, in 2016 2017, there was a video game voice actor strike. 
Um, and this was a strike that started in October 2016 by the Screen Actors Guild American Federation of Television and Radio Artists Unit against 11 American video game developers and publishers. Activision, Blind Light, Course of Discovery, Films, Disney Character Voices, Electronic Arts, Formosa Interactive, Insomniac Games, Interactive Associates, Tech 2 Interactive. Uh, Voice Works Productions and WB Games over field contract negotiation terms that have been in discussion since February 2015. Principally, the union sought to have actors and voice and motion capture artists that contribute to video games to be better compensated with residuals based on video game sales atop their existing recording payments. But the industry companies asserted that the industry as a whole excused the use of res- uh, residuals and by giving the actors the they would trivialize the efforts of the programmers and artists that are most responsible for the development of the games. In exchange, the companies have offered a fixed increase in rates in a sliding scale of front bonus for multiple recording sessions, which the union had rejected. Other issues highlighted by the strike action included better transparency in what roles and condition actors will perform, more safety precautions and oversight to avoid vocal stress for certain roles, and better safety assurance for actors while on set so this is kind of uh, the background to it um, around a quarter of video game games use some type of voice acting either as live actors for full motion video voice actors or stunt actors for motion capture as the video game industry became more financially successful in the early 2010s the video game hardware became more ubiquitous in households many video game developers and publishers started to bring in well-recognized actors from other entertainment venues such as film and television for recorded lines or footage for video games obtaining recognized actors for games can help to sell the title as well as generate potential promotional leads from non-traditional channels such as having that actor promote the game while on talk shows within the united states several of these actors are members of the screen actors guild or sag or american federation of television and radio artists uh, after both merged into the SAG Astro Union in October 12, um, October 2012. The merged union was around 165,000 members as of 2016, with about 6,000 members that performed regularly for video games. As early as the 1990s, these unions had developed interactive media agreements with the video game industry to set standard rates for a typical four-hour recording session. Around 2005, this was about 759 dollars and around 2013 it was about 800 to 825 dollars per per session these are considered as minimum assured rates but actors are free to negotiate higher rates with the game's developer or publisher alternatively uh, companies can employ non-union actors Unlike other entertainment media such as film or television, actors are not paid residuals or secondary compensation based on the success of a game. Part of this is related to the rel- uh, relative age of the video game industry, which only recently had been seen as to be successful as film or television. In 2005, the video game industry only was worth about $11 billion, while the film industry drew in over $100 billion globally. As such, the many residuals at that time was not seen as a necessary benefit to the actors. Many actors had additional gigs in other entertainment sectors besides video games. And receiving residuals was not critical for them to make a living. Video games were also barely promoted to emphasize the actors behind the characters. Unlike television and film, as consumers were unlikely to be directed toward purchasing a video game on a selection of actors. Further, the video game industry itself is not as profitable as large growth numbers suggest, as much of the money earned by a sales or title is spent to offset the already spent cost of having a large team of programmers and artists to develop the title. Since 2005, the video game industry drew... Uh, 
Since 2005, the video game industry grew quickly, with projections that it would reach a $100 billion global industry by 2018. As early as 2008, there was discussion and arguments from the actors' unions that the video game industry should pay residuals on sales to actors, seeking equality with other entertainment industries, with the provincial, uh, potential for a strike action if the industry did not agree. Michael Hollick stated that he had only been paid around $100,000 for his voice work as the principal character in Grand Theft Auto 4, which went on to bring in more than $600 million in sales within his first three weeks of release. Despite this this discussion, SAG-AFTRA and the industry negotiate continuations on the interactive media agreement without inclusion of residuals. In the most recent successful negotiations to extend the interactive media agreement through, t- through 2014, the two sides agreed to account for additional session fees for actors and games designed for cloud gaming. Uh, 2015 to 2016 Negotiations with the interactive media agreement to expire by the end of 2014, SAG-AFTRA and representatives of the video game industry began negotiating new agreement terms in late 2014. The parties had come to an agreement when the agreement expired, but the union members agreed to continue to provide acting work at the existing rates in good faith while negotiations continued. Meetings were held between parties in February and June 15 at these meetings. The SAG-AFTRA representatives started pushing for inclusion of residual payments, stating that this video game industry has grown, boomed, and morphed into something bigger and lucrative than any other segment of the entertainment industry, and it continues to do so. That is that it now has the ability to pay such residuals. The union sought performance bonuses that would earn actors an additional $825 for each session they did on their game for every 2 million copies of that game sold, up to 8 million copies. The industry stated that they were concerned that this type of payment payment structure would be financially harmful. The union was also concerned for actors involved in vocally stressful roles and sought to have similar restrictions on sessions time and foreknowledge that one would give for stunt acting. Around June 2016, SAG after sent a letter co-signed by several acts uh, signed by several of its members to the California Division of the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, requesting them to investigate health and safety issues related to the vocally stressful roles, citing several members who had developed vocal cord damage while recording screens and shots for video games. The union specifically asked the division to evaluate these injuries resulting voice acting in video games due to employers pushing too hard or not providing adequate safety measures. The union said they do not want to enforce new uh, OSHA-driven regulations on the industry by considering this as a point of last resort and the real game industry did not help alleviate the situation. Sorry about that. By September 2015, SAG after considered the negotiations to not go well, stating that the industry demands were crazy and outrageous, and proceeded to have its members vote for a strike authorization. Union members agreed to authorize the strike by a 96% margin in October 2015, giving the SAG-AFTRA negotiators a bargaining chip to use during further discussion with the industry. Negotiations continued until 2016 along the main negotiation for the interactive media agreement renewal. SAG-AFTRA had stated discussions to craft a special low-budget agreement for union voice actors, defined for games with less than uh, $250,000 production budget, such as most indie games. The terms of this agreement address similar points as the broader interactive media agreement negotiations, including dealing with vocally stressed roles and will offer performance bonuses for every 500,000 units sold up to 2 million units. By October 2016, the two sides had agreed to a 9% increase in the base session fee, but still stood at odds on the issues of residuals. While SAG-AFTRA still offered their session payment plan based on copies sold, the video game industry offered an upfront sliding scale bonus based on how many sessions that actor performed for the game, starting at $50 for a single session and up to $950 for eight or more sessions. This bonus will be paid upfront 
to actors in lieu of the residuals. Analysis believe that for a profits of video game, one exceeding $2 million in revenue or more, the financial terms of both SAC actors and the industry's plans were nearly on financial equi- uh, equity. However, the negotiations broke down because of how this performance bonus was to be written into the contract. SAC after wanted to call their payments approach as residual buyout, thus fulfilling their goal to obtain some type of residual payment to its members. The industry balked at this characterization, pointing out that the programmers and artists behind the games do not receive such residuals. Scott Whitland, a lawyer representing the video game companies, stated that the work provided by actors represent less than one-tenth of one percent of the work that goes into making a video game, and thus their demands were excessive. The industry also feared that by writing the language of residuals into the contract, it would give the union more ability to demand a more traditional residual payment structure during the next contract uh, negotiations. SAG AFTRA considered that the industry approach was a freeloader model of compensation and did not consider it suitable for its members. The disagreement has been characterized by some of hinging on the single word residuals as described by the Hollywood reporters Jonathan Handel. The language of how residuals is presented is critical as it is a must-have for the union in a Camel's no camel's nose under the tent deal breaker for the companies. Uh, and now this is the 2016 to 2017 strike. With fear to come to agreement on this language, SAC introduced a previous authorization from its members to issue a strike on October 21st, 2016. In addition to the residual payment issue, SAC after said that the strike also related to transparency in the voice actors hiring process so that actors are aware of what type of roles and performances they are to be hired for. Issues related to the vocally stressful roles and having more safety precautions while actors were on set. The strike actually targeted 11 developers and publishers, including Activision, Electronic Arts, Insomniac Games, Take-Two Interactive, and WB Games. A sought repayment and resolution for all voice actor work in games that started production after February 17, 2015. SAG after strike was supported by the American Federation of Labor and Congress of Industrial Organization, the Actors Equity Association, the British Actors Equity Association, the Alliance of Canada Cinema, uh, Canadian Cinema, Television and Radio Actress, uh, Radio Artists, sorry about that, Actra, the Australian Media Entertainment and Arts Alliance, and e- Equity. Uh, I'm saying not equity, equity New Zealand, who requested that their members not take in any of the acting work that was open due to strikers to the striking actors. Voice actors that have spoken in favor of the union and the strike include Jennifer Hale, David Hayter, uh, Elias Tufexes, Phil Lamar, and Will Whedon. The first picnic began on October 24, 2016 in Playa Vista, California, against Electronics Arts. Additional picketing lines occurred at the Los Angeles headquarters for WB Games and Insomniac Games over the month of November. These picket lines were joined by members of the American Federation of Musicians, the Writers Guild of America, and International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, and Unite Here. It drew drew between 300 and 400 people each. More than 500 people participated in a rally marched from the SAG after headquarters to a park near the La Barra Tar Pits to support the strike. In addition to physical picketing of the various industry companies, SAG AFTRA encourages members to use virtual picketing by engaging with their fans on Twitter and other social media using the hashtag uh, Performance Matters. In response to the strike, the affected companies launched a website to inform the SAG AFTRA members and the public what the state of negotiations were to demonstrate. 
uh, that they were trying to bargain but had been refused by the union. On the site, the company stated that their proposed payments will be upfront system and guaranteed regardless of how well a video game sold, making it a better deal for actors. They also noted that they had agreed to turn to split vocally stressful sessions from four-hour blocks into two-hour ones, as long as actors could compete complete both within a week but this proposal was rejected by the union the companies further criticized the union for not bringing this proposed offers to a vote to its members before calling the strike and then 2017 this is the agreement that came along on September 23, 2017 SAC-AFTRA and the video game companies came to an agreement effectively ending the strike the agreement crafted a New Year three-deal contract with the companies to start after ratification by SAC Astros. Board of Directors expected to occur within a few weeks from the agreement. The agreement does not include residuals as SAC Astros sought for, but does offer a sliding scale bonus payment for each recording session a voice actor participate in. Stated uh, starting at $75 for the first session, up to $2,100 for 10 or more sessions. Keith, uh, Keith Farley, the chair of the SAC after negotiations committee, said that these payments are significantly larger now than what we had 11 months ago and praised the new structure. Video game companies must provide additional transparencies for roles, system, uh, uh, voice. Uh, sorry, transparency for roles voice actors are to perform under the new terms. While they do not need to name the game or character to maintain confidentiality when offering roles, companies must provide actors with project code names, gameplay genre, if the work is based on the existing franchise or character, and whether the work will include profanity, virtual slurs, obscure technology terms, sexual or violent overtures, or physical stunts. The agreement also will have SAG-AFTRA and the video game companies continue to work on addressing issues related to vocal stress within a recording session. Voice, actor, voice actors expressed some concerns with the agreement, believing SAG-AFTRA conceded too much to the video game companies. Specifically, the failure to come up with residual payment model was an issue, as the union cited fanatical refusal from the publishers. Actors as well as some video game producers believe that without a residual type payment system, the current approach keeps participation in the video game industry extremely different from other traditional forms of media. They also cited concerns that no specific were made on the vocal stress aspect of the union's complaints. Some actors found the struck studios really uh, readily using non-union voice actors at higher rates than their union terms for during the strike, and fear, uh, uh, and fear that SAG-AFTRA was not doing enough to support voice actors in the video game industry. Uh, which are only a small portion of the union's membership. The tentative agreement was approved unanimously by SAC after its board of directors on October 9, 2017, sending the issue to member vote. The vote was completed on November 7, 2017, and 90% of the 10% that voted approved the agreement. A new 3 year agreement subsequently went into effect on November 8, 2017. So now we, was, we have to wait and see what happens this year because the contract should be ending. Would there be another strike or would there be uh, a new contract drawn up or a continuation of this contract? Uh, they only went for three years, so it's going to be exciting to see. But this is a big thing because when it happened, a lot of people who were into games didn't know a lot of the stuff was going on with a lot of voice actors. So you might see a sequel or a game not featuring that past actor. Uh, it might have a new voice actor for that character and everything uh, because of the union and stuff. So um, and now that things got fixed and everything, we wish, like I said, we should see in later on this year what happens uh, and hopefully uh, when it does come to fruition um, we'll see if there's going to be another strike or we're going to see if a new contract is drawn 
but when I come back, I'm going to uh, really answer the question, is one better than the other? And is voice better than text or is text actually better than voice? Uh, and then I will give my answer on which I prefer. And with that, everybody, I will be right back. So, is voice really better than text? Well, in a sense, they help. They both help each other out. I think uh, when you when you are hearing the voice acting and you are reading what's being said on the screen, aside from subtitles, you kind of understand that uh, the clarity. Because sometimes some people will hear a voice and they may say words that or dialogue that you might miss or that may not sound right and stuff. Sorry about that. The wording can help it out, uh, bring some more uh, clarification to it. Uh, it depends on the person and what they prefer, actually. Um, if you prefer voice acting uh, because you suffer from dyslexia or maybe ADD or ADHD, uh, maybe, you know, there are, like, things that you might suffer from, uh, but still want to enjoy the benefits of video games, voice acting might help you, uh over a text in that sense um a text allows you to create that voice in your head or help you with vo then like i said the text might be better for you sometimes um vo shouldn't be an only reason to buy a game because you don't want to read and that's a big thing some people in the earlier days didn't really want to buy a game because it had so much uh it literally had so much uh, text in it. And it's just like, come on now. You are a grown adult or a teenager. This should help you be able to read better. Uh, and if you're not suffering for anything, not reading this to me personally feels like you just want to be lazy. Take the time to read. Keep your uh, ability to read up to snuff. Because, like, if you don't, you're going to be like, I I can't comprehend. I can't understand. And it might, hit, you know, it might hurt you in the long run. Um, so don't let just voice acting be the only reason why you want to buy a game. Um, finding journals, backstories, and other reading material can be optional um, to get that text and stuff. Um, it's it's really cool to be able to find that and then just read some of the backstory and stuff in the game that the voiceover or the voice acting can, just can't provide to you with that. And lastly, what I prefer, I kind of prefer text over voiceovers. Um, 
Now, I'm not saying that I don't prefer, I don't like voice acting in games. I do love voice acting in games. Like I said, it brings that character to life. But like for me, because I play a lot of RPGs and things like that, I love just sitting down and reading this this fantasy and stuff. And, and you know, just sometimes hearing it is really cool and really funny when it's done right and stuff. But reading it, like I said, I love taking that screenshot nowadays and sharing it on social media to other people and stuff. Um, but to me, I prefer just text over voice. That's a that's a personal thing. But there are people who uh, say that voice is better than text. So, like I said, it depends on to you what you uh, prefer. Um, if you feel like voice acting is better than uh, text, then it's the, it is. If you prefer text over voice acting because sometimes the voice acting can be cringy to some people and stuff. The, the text is there it really depends on you personally but for me i love text so when i get back i'm gonna plug a few things and then i'm gonna let you guys enjoy the week weekend or whenever you listen to this with that everybody i will be right back And I am back. So, um, you guys can find me on Twitter at that Retro Code. You can check out more Optional Opinion on SoundCloud, iTunes, and other podcast apps. Um, and uh, there's going to be some more uh, podcast uh, services that I'm going to be on. Um, like, you, could, you guys can check out Anchor FM. Uh, I'm on there now. Um, I got to upload a lot of more of the episodes. But, like, this one and more will be on there if you guys want to check it out. Uh, <clears throat> with that, um, I'm like I said, this is part of the Boss Rush podcast or Boss Rush uh, Games Network. Um, so uh, you guys could check more work from there at BossRushGames.com. We could check out Nintendo Pod Block, um, Boss Rush Podcast, Arsenal X, Pod and Play, um, Hit 'Em Hard, and more content coming out on that channel. Uh, on that website and on our YouTube channel. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at boss underscore rush underscore games. Also check out world one, one podcast at, um, on Twitter at world one underscore one. Uh, you can check us out there and you can check us out on pod at world one, one podcast right there. Also, um, you can email optional opinion at my op two comments at yahoo.com. Um, and also, yes, just join us on like just various things. You can find me on mixer at the lyrical one and on Twitch at the lyrical one, but I do a lot of my streaming more on mixer. Uh, so you can find me there. Um, uh, you can find the show every other week or every week or when it gets posted i'm like i said i'm trying to get back to being consistent uh once again everybody I do apologize it might sound like i'm sick uh and i kind of am been having a runny nose coughing uh but i'm 
powering the way through because I really want to continue you guys to give great episodes and great discussions to have like this one um so hopefully everybody have a great week have a great weekend I know this is the week of PAX and the week of C2E2 here in Chicago so if you guys are hearing this at the event or after it please do enjoy be safe and everything with that and with that everybody I will be uh I'm going to head out. I'm going to actually go get some water because my voice is sounding a little bit dry. But everybody, have a great week. Have a great weekend. But like we say on Marsh Rush Podcast, uh, play games and be better to one another. You know, let's continue the respect and the love and let's celebrate video grace in a great way. And those who want to enjoy what they enjoy. With that, everybody, I will see you next time on Optional Opinion. Peace. Music in this episode, our intro, Haruku Nakamoru left featuring Nujabes, RJD2 Getting Up OST for the Getting Up soundtrack, BOA White Wishes Tales of Graces, Zombies Ain't My Neighbors Pyramid of Fear theme metal cover by Chris Holland, guitarist, Super R Type R Dance by Spoke Compton. 1983, Final Fantasy 13 Dust to Dust Remix in R&B Style by L. Rello Beats, Cave of Temptation, Magic Warrior Original Game Soundtrack, Sega Saturn, and Mega Man 2 Airman Rap Beat by Sonic Skills, a.k.a. DCT.